Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. On a not-so-hot day for the averages, with the Dow lost 101 points, S&P declined 0.15%, the Nasdaq closed uh, flat, oh, and the price of oil plunged more than 7%, more than that later. I think it's worth playing devil's advocate. What if, what if, what if, you're here, what if, uh, if for some hated companies, you with me? The glass is half full, not half empty. In other words, what if the accursed, horrible, no good, we hate... Bang stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Alphabet, the ones everyone now despises, the, the evil, the no-good portfolio destroyers. There, dare I say, maybe some of them, if not all of them, are actually doing better than we think. And what if, I, I hesitate to even say this, but what if, what if the other A, the stuff of the elongated fang apple, may actually be doing better than we think? Wouldn't this be a shocker? Wouldn't it be totally out of sync with the unbelievably bearish zeitgeist? All you hear about, all you read about, everything says these stocks are finished, they're dead, they're buried. Got me? Got me? Gotcha! All right, anyway. For years, these stocks, the Fab Five, let's call them, they led the averages higher. But now they've become an albatross around the market's neck. So what happens, heaven forbid, what happens if the albatross comes back to life? Let's dig in. First, listen, I am no fan of Facebook, the company. Every day it feels like there's a new story about how they compromised your data. They sold you down the river. They made you a tool of the Kremlin. Facebook has no shame. It's upsetting millions upon millions of people. But there are millions upon millions of other people who are more than willing to keep creating free stuff on their Instagram that are ideal vehicles for advertising. Originally, Instagram stories was kind of an afterthought, a way to, for them to crush Snapchat. Done. But it's burdened into Facebook's best business. Have you noticed that the stock is still hanging around where it was and reported that was actually a pretty darn good quarter? Meanwhile, the expectations, what are the expectations done? They have come down to levels where analysts actually expect a flat year for 2019. But the only way Facebook's going to have a flat year is if advertisers stop fleeing TV and print for the web. And that's simply not happening. Now, you don't have to like this company to realize that it remains the best way to reach young consumers. Let me put it this way. Facebook is one of the is one grown up, one grown up appointment away from having a stock that can go higher. Just one. They simply need to hire an outside adult at the C-suite level, a tough, no excuses, retired exec, maybe a government official, someone from justice. I don't care who won't tolerate any nonsense. And you know what will happen? <laughs> the stock will soar. 
house of pleasure. Okay, how about Amazon? Amazon. <laughs> what a joke that is, right? And what a bunch of losers. <laughs> Two headquarters, three headquarters, idiots, morons. This one, this one's on the verge of having the biggest holiday season ever. <gasps> well, that's sleepy. Uh, I mean, everyone's talking about the, what is it, the Long Island City, a Crystal City. I, I'm more focused on the fact that the retail business is good and getting better. Now, I keep hearing about a slowdown in cloud adoption. But when I talk to cloud adopters, they're desperate to migrate away from old-fashioned on-premise software. They want to be on Amazon Web Services, which is the cheapest, it's the fastest, it's the best. And Amazon's advertising business, and nearly every retailer is trying to build up its online direct-to-consumer channel. Amazon's the best place for them to advertise. I don't know about this Netflix. I mean, has it lost its magic? This is one of those stocks that may not be getting as cheaper as it goes lower because, well, it's still up so much. You know, it's still up 53% for the year. And two, it didn't go higher after it reported a terrific quarter. Netflix was a great stock when the market was willing to value the business based on its rapid subscriber growth, but Wall Street no longer seems to be on board with that mode of analysis. Now they want earnings. Still, there's a lot of things that could go right here. What if Netflix raises prices? What if it creates different tiers? What if it makes a bunch of deals with high-profile filmmakers for exclusive content you'd be willing to pay even more for? I think the vast majority of people will pay up for this. Worldwide. Maybe management cares about the stock price. Don't be surprised if they don't pull some rabbit out of a hat yet again. Then there's Alphabet. Biggest problem here, forecasting. The company's chronically putting out super-stretched numbers and then delivering numbers that are merely fabulous. Is that such a terrible crime? Guilty. Things happen at Alphabet that are totally taken for granted. Today, the company's Waymo division announced that they're going to launch the first commercial driverless car service in the next couple of months. Wall Street's reaction? Crickets. Uh, crickets. Last Thursday. This Thursday, they hired Dr. David Feinberg. You probably never even heard of him. Well, I have. He ran Geisinger Health, perhaps the best healthcare system in the country. According to the press, Feinberg could have had the top job at the Amazon J.P. Morgan Berkshire Hathaway Health Initiative. He'll be organizing Al- Alphabet's myriad disparate healthcare initiatives into a single business. We yawn only because it's such a big company and nothing else seems to matter except the search division's gross margins. But once this stuff starts mattering again, you'll kick yourself for bailing out on a stock, which, by the way, sells at 22 times earnings. And does it matter to have $106 billion in cash? I guess that doesn't matter anymore either, right? Which brings me to, oh boy, shudder. I shudder. I mean, where's my knife? I mean, come on, let's cut this apple, right? I got a Bowie knife. That's, how, that's what you need. You can't just do anything with this. You need a Bowie knife. Here we go. Okay. It's like Billy and a predator. We're all going to die. <laughs> this brings me to Apple, perhaps the most maligned of the Fab Five. This morning I was asked on air, on air nonetheless, whether I'd put Apple in the original Fang. And the answer was no, because Fang was supposed to measure really expensive high flyers. Apple, despite its $921 billion valuation, was never a high flyer. It still isn't. It trades it at delicious 14.5 times next year's earnings. The stock has been getting shelled lately, down $41 from its highs, and it shows no sign of stabilizing. I can see how Apple here might feel like jumping in front of a speeding freight train. What do you think of the possibility that Apple knew all about the weaknesses in unit sales that are now so revelatory that we're now discovering every minute when it gives us, gave us guidance? Oh, nine business days ago. Wow. I mean, how much must have been bad since then? Hey, I, what if the weakness flagged by an order shortfall momentum nonetheless? Well, that's really important. It's related to the cheaper offering, the iPhone XR. 
not the big expensive ones. Why, uh, uh, while not great news, obviously, it wouldn't be nearly as bad as shortfall for its fancier, higher margin phones. CFO Luca Maestri even alluded to the, the, that weakness when he told us the guidance accounts for, quote, uncertainty around the supply and demand balance, end quote, of recently launched products. Do you really believe Apple's supply chain fell apart in less than two weeks? Do you really believe that? On top of that, the bearish freight train has run over a lot of good news. Four days ago, Apple announced a historic deal to sell new iPhones and iPads on Amazon. If any other company on earth had struck a deal like that, the analysts would have been falling all over themselves to recommend the stock. But not Apple. Instead, big stake shareholders are still trying to fathom why the company stopped giving us iPhone metrics. They're shaken by Merrill Lynch's suggestion that multiple estimate cuts must be on the horizon. What else? We just found out that Apple was the top-selling mobile phone brand on Alibaba's platform during Singles Day, a huge shopping day in China. Didn't matter. Instead, we're focused on Goldman slashing their iPhone estimates in the wake of the momentum shortfall. We're actually worried about Chinese slowdown. Didn't we just get Chinese speed up? Don't even get me started on Apple's fabulous service revenue stream, a business that's being underestimated, at least according to Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley, because of its burgeoning installed base. And by the way, Katie Huberty, no dope. Oh, and how about this? How about the fact that Apple's had a slowdown in iPhone sales before? In 2016, we got a string of lousy numbers with total iPhone unit sales actually declining by more than 8% versus the year before. And you know what? If you sold the stock into that weakness, the same kind of weakness we see right now every day, probably see it tomorrow. You know, it's just horrendous. If you sold it, how'd you do? You missed a double. Now, over the next few days, I think the analysts will outdo each other. They see it. They see it. They see that train. They went off. They went off that train. They went off those tracks. They're going to slash their iPhone estimates every day. And one after another. That's what today's decline on top of yesterday's Punisher was all about. When these number cuts are over, I expect Apple to come roaring back like it's done every time before. I still say own Apple, don't trade it, because it's too hard to time the bottom. In other words, if you sell it, you might not be able to get back in at a lower level. Bottom line, do not be so quick to write off Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Apple. The Fab Five may be out of favor right now. Maybe they are really out of favor. But there's a lot they could do to make a comeback. I know to bet against them right here after this decline, it seems like uh, maybe you'll advised. In fact, it might be right to actually start. Yes, I'm going to whisper. Okay, get closer. Buying them. Actually buying a little bit of them. Instead of throwing them away or shorting them like everyone else is doing. Frank in Michigan. Frank. Hey, Frank, uh, Jim, uh, like your assessment on P-E-T-Q. Why would you ever be in P-E-T-Q when you can be in Z-T-S, Zoetis, which is much better and really crushing? What? I got time for a lot of more apples to throw around. There, take that. Oh, hold it just a sec. I got one right here. Oh, here. Boom. And how about this one? No, this one we're going to blind it first with a little Frank's hot sauce. There. Oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> Didn't mean to get you there. Did I get you, Les? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Ha! Where's that Bowie knife? Things aren't always what they seem. Okay? Apple's actually doing, uh, you know what? Not all that horribly. I say, on Mad Money tonight, it might sound strange, but I'll tell you why weakness in the U.S. and China could be bullish for the stock market. Then, it's the most wonderful time of the year. 
It's retail. I'll be the judge of when we go off the charts. And while this past month has been brutal for some technology stocks, there are a few companies that are simply too strong to ignore. I'm pointing out one play that could be worth considering when I sit down with the CEO of Zebra Technologies. My advice, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. What if the two forces of disruption are working? What if the Fed's rate hikes are doing their job and inflation's calming down? What if President Trump's tariffs are succeeding in putting the hurt on the Chinese economy? I think we may need to change the whole narrative here. Instead of focusing on the horrendous things that can happen if the Fed keeps tightening and President Trump slaps more tariffs on China, maybe we need to think about outcomes. What do I mean by outcomes? Okay, on the domestic front, higher interest rates are really starting to squelch demand for all sorts of real estate. We've seen steady deceleration in real estate and construction projects and a host of banks. American Electric Power, and by the way, the biggest utility in the country, talked about a downtick in activity. Listen to CEO Nick Akins on the show. For the first time, we, we see some tempering of the economy. We saw residential and commercial growth come down a little bit. Uh, we think it's really driven by a strong dollar, uh, certainly, some of the tariffs are having an impact on non-oil and gas-related activities. We know that housing starts and housing sales are just abysmal. The house of pain. And while Home Depot assured us of stronger sales, it acknowledged that housing is slowing. Meanwhile, the price of oil, it is just cratering. My God, it's down seven. You see what it was down today? I mean, I, think it's, I, I, I said the thing would go to the 40s. I mean, I didn't think it was this fast. Uh, lumber's going down. Copper, basic building blocks and chemicals. Paper, sinking. Chemical, sinking. The action, to me, screams slowdown. Yes, we still have wage inflation. I know people are making a little more money. But how long will that last if all these important commodities are turning down? Look, it's okay for Jay Powell, our Fed chief, to say that he's raising rates in December, that he'll be eternally vigilant against inflation. But it's important to recognize that the most important inputs for the inf- for inflation, for future inflation, are really going lower, not higher. It'd be crazy to ignore that. And while I think Powell's been mistaken in his approach, he's not crazy. The man is prudent. There's no reason for him to be rash, especially not with the deflationary impact of the strong dollar helping him. Yeah, it's time for him to say, wait a second, we're going to do hike and then be done for a little bit and see what happens. How about China? First of all, uh, these declining commodities, they could easily be laid at the feet of a weaker Chinese economy especially the plummeting price of oil. Last night, the Baltic Freight Index, a great barometer of Chinese commerce, plummeted 5.42% to 1,064. That's way down from where it was just a month, a couple of months ago. We're seeing disappointing sales of some of the semiconductor components, most often associated with China's telco market, including chips from Skyworks Solutions, today Corvo, Micron. And most important, I'm getting inklings that our companies that do a lot of business in China, they could be getting, they, they, they are putting the hurt 
on China itself. I know it, it, it's early on this coming Caterpillar this morning, saw some strong machinery orders out of China and stock rallied. But how long can China handle the decline in orders from many U.S. importers that are furiously trying to move business away from the People's Republic to avoid tariffs? Do you know that I understand, I've checked this out with a number of different retailers, that the Chinese are actually giving these companies concessions, all sorts of price breaks to stay. But that'll be hard to sustain when President, tariffs, uh, President Trump's tariffs. I like that, President Tariff. Makes sense. President Trump's tariffs rise from 10 to 25% next year. Last Friday, Peter Navarro, uh, the President Tariff's Director of Trade and Industrial Policy, probably the most influential voice in the White House, well, he went off on Wall Street for its willingness to sell workers in America in the name of making bigger profits overseas. Navarro doesn't want to deal on Wall Street's terms. He started ranting about globalist billionaires secretly working on behalf of the Chinese. You got to listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. If Wall Street is involved and continues to insinuate itself into these negotiations, there will be a stench, a stench around any deal that's consummated because it will have the imprimatur of Goldman Sachs and Wall Street. Oh, stench. Anyway, the comments were so extreme that Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, came on CBC today to chastise Navarro himself. Listen to what Larry said. He was not speaking for the president, nor was he speaking for the administration. His remarks were way off base. They were not authorized by anybody. I actually think he did the president a great disservice. Wow, that's important. It leaves room for serious negotiations with China leading up to the G20 meeting at the end of the month. So let's watch weakness in this country and in China. As crazy as it sounds, both are actually bullish for the stock market, although not for the companies or individuals involved. Because weakness means we're more likely to get a rational Fed and possibly some kind of trade deal. Much more mad money at. After Home Depot's earnings say, does that company have more room to run? I don't know. I mean, the stock's been getting hit. I'm tapping the technicals to see if it's built on a strong foundation. Then, how is Zebra Technologies defined? the gravitational pull of the tech sector, I'm eyeing the company's ability to rally despite the unknowns in the market. And it could be the greatest turnaround story of our era. But with all the volatility in the market, you may have missed it. Don't worry, I'm revealing the name and stay with Kramer. After yesterday's horrific bruising, this market has reminded us once again, we can't afford to get too complacent. We're in a volatile environment, and it's going to stay volatile until the Fed changes rate on interest rates or the president decides to ease up on China or the Chinese compromise with us. At the moment, neither of them seems inclined to blink, so we need to do the best we can to navigate our way through the new normal. Now, normally, we'd fall back on the fundamentals, try to figure out who's doing well, Who's not? But the problem is, in this kind of environment, the fundamentals are often in flux. If the Fed tightens next month and then says it's going to pause before hitting us with any more rate hikes, a host of companies will get a reprieve. Their earnings next year may be turned out to be much higher than expected. On the other hand, if the Fed sticks to its guns, raising rates once next month and then three more times next year, that's going to put a real crimp in the earnings of anything that's cyclical, from the home builders to the automakers to the industrials. It's become a binary situation. Either the Fed blinks and does the right thing, or they stick to the current plan, burning down the economy in order to save it. And when everything hinges on a binary decision, you can't just blindly rely on the fundamentals, the facts about how a company's doing, because there's a lot of uncertainty about what the future might hold. So what do we do? In moments like these, you know what I like to do? I fall back on a variety of technical analyses, on a, straight, on a straightforward analysis of the action. 
the action in the stock. If the fundamentals are in flux, we might as well take our cue from the charts, right? Which helps approximate the psychology of the money managers whose buying and selling determines the actual trajectory of stock prices. So tonight we got real lucky. We're going off the charts with uh, the legendary Larry Williams. He's the technician who's been trading futures, commodities, and stocks for over half a century in order to shed some light on the issue. Williams is almost a mythical figure in this business. He's created a host of technical indicators over the years, many of which are named after him, like the Williams Percentage R Oscillator. Guy's written nearly a dozen books, and he's even got his own website, IReallyTrade.com. I think this man knows more than almost anyone I've ever talked to about charts. Now, what does Williams have to tell us that can really be some sort of totem here? As we head into the end of the year, the stock market typically uh, tends to rally around Thanksgiving. It's one of the reasons why I keep telling you, don't give up the ship yet. And perhaps even more so, it rallies into Christmas. More often than not, we get some good vibes over the holidays. But while that's a generalization, Williams prefers to trade based on specific things rather than glittering generalities. With that in mind, let me give you one of the Chartmaster's favorite ideas, retail. When it comes to retail stocks, the period from shortly before Thanksgiving through Christmas tends to be the most wonderful time of the year. Makes sense. Everybody's anticipating huge sales for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the rest of the holiday season. Williams says there are several different ways you can play this. For example, I want you to think about this. Take the stock of Home Depot. It's the nation's largest big box home improvement retailer. This is a stock that's been beaten down like a redheaded stepchild. It's from uh, $215 in September all the way to $179 today. After, frankly, it reported what I actually thought was a good quarter this very morning, even as the stock was down and down hard most of the day for finishing off just 43 cents. Williams sees a very consistent trade with Home Depot. What is it? Okay, write this down. He recommends buying Home Depot on the 5th trading day before Thanksgiving, the fifth day, which happens to be this Thursday, and then holding it for the next 10 trading days for exiting the position. How's this done? Williams has back-tested this trade. If you did this using a stop-loss order $5 below where you bought Home Depot, how often would this strategy have made you money? All right, this man Williams ran the numbers. Get this. Over the past 33 years, his Home Depot trade would have been successful 33 times. Yep, it's worked every year since 1984. On average, if you bought Home Depot before Thanksgiving from one day before to 10 days before, what we have learned is that there's really a sweet spot that's right in the middle. Five days before giving you the best return. Thursday, people! How about we check out the weekly uh, thoughts about this? The black line is the action in the stock, okay? This is just the pictorial of it. Williams loves to look for seasonal patterns, and that's what the red line shows you, okay? Uh, this is, uh, on average, the average seasonal pattern of Home Depot. Uh, as you can see, historically, the stock has rallied pretty hard over the next couple of weeks in November. You know, look, it's pretty obvious, right? Just think Thursday. I mean, no, of course, if everybody does it, everybody watches the show, everybody does it. Who knows? It could be like some sort of mirror effect, but 33 out of 33. Now, this is true for almost all retail stocks, frankly. You could say the same about Target, about Costco, about Amazon, host of others. Put it all together, and Williams thinks that Home Depot is ready to roar, which is pretty good since it's sure to act like that today. Remember, though, it's just a trade. Home Depot stock has been a dog lately as investors have turned on everything related to housing, even as I think they're painting way too broad a brush. It's a retailer, people. In reality, Home Depot is more of a play on repair and remodeling, and they're doing fine. Just go ask Carol Tomei, the excellent CFO on the conference call. She has asked this. She addressed it. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Williams is recommending a trade. So if you buy the stock on his advice, you'll want to ring the register for a couple of weeks. And if the trade doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You should never turn a trade into an investment. If his thesis turns out to be wrong, you sell it. Put it behind you. 
But while we're on the subject of retailers and how they tend to rally going the holidays, Williams has another way to play it. You could do the straightforward thing and buy the the Spider S&P retail ETF called the XRT. If you bought the ETF anywhere from two to five trading days before Thanksgiving and then sold 10 days later, you would have racked up a nice gain in every single year since the XRT was created 11 years ago. I'm going to repeat that. Every year, 11 years, this has worked. According to his research, Thursday would be the best day to pounce on this one, too. Technically, the best moment would have been sometime last week, actually. But since we don't have a time machine, Thursday's the best we can do. Again, Williams recommends using a $5 stop to protect yourself from potential downside. And don't forget, just a trade. So if it works, you need to ring the register. Move on. Bottom line, in a confusing and volatile market, all right, there are still trades that have worked year in and year out for decades. When, when Larry told me about this, I said I have to bring it to you. The chart, as interpreted by the legend, legendary Larry Williams, suggests that Home Depot and XRT would make terrific trades if you buy them on Thursday and sell them 10 days later. I think he's got a point. Is this tends to be a good time of the year for retail, regardless of what else is going on in the market. All right, so maybe this will be the 34th time and it doesn't work. But 33 out of 33, I mean, don't you think? Kim in New Jersey, Kim. Hi, Jim. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for all you do for the home gamers. Oh, thank Your you. help is very much appreciated. Thank you. I'd like to give you a good, big booyah from New Jersey. And uh, my stock is uh, Tractor Supply. Uh, I'd like to know if that's going to be trading similar to Home Depot, if it's really in the same sector or not. No, it's not. And I've got to tell you, first of all, Kim, my Tractor Supply on Route 202 is just killer. Got a good veterinarian in there, too. Uh, Tractor Supply, when the stock was in the 70s, I spoke to the CEO. He said, you know what, Jim? Nobody has any faith. I said, I have faith. I love going to your stores. This stock has been a rocket ship ever since. And I've got to tell you, I believed in it then. I said it then. And I believe in it now, even up here. Tractor Supply is a play on people wanting to be outdoors doing the right thing using your hands just like jefferson said let's go to robert in tennessee robert hey mr kramer uh my name is rob i'm an undergraduate student at vanderbilt and a first-time caller vandy uh, i'm call I'm, I'm calling about at home group ticker is home they're a growing big box specialty uh brick and mortar retailer right. offering home decor products um i can't believe i'm speaking to you <laughs> i'll continue uh hey, they I currently operate 100 <laughs> they currently operate 167 stores. They're increasing their store footprint at 20% a year, claim to have domestic white space for at least 600 stores, and they recently brought in a new CFO to help them scale. Amazingly, their stores take on average just six months to mature. Their gross margin is way over 30%, and 70% of their products are private label. Okay. Uh, it seems like It seems like... Their top and bottom lines are moving exponentially. I bought in at 27. Should I double down? You know what, man? You have done, like are many of our viewers, this man has done a huge amount of work. I am never, Robert, going to opine on something that the caller knows more than I do on. What I can do, though, is do my homework and see if it matches what you're saying, because I happen to like that company very much. But you know what? I'm not going to cuff it. You've done more work than I have. And I congratulate you. And go, Vandy. Great school. It's volatile and confusing out there, but there are still some trades that have worked historically. Remember, it's a seasonal pattern. It's history. Tends to be a good time for retail. And 
good time to buy Home Depot is Thursday. Much more mad money ahead, including my switch with Zebra. Oh, boy, what a stock that is. Could the company change the stripes in the tech sector? I'm going to sit down with the CEO. Man, it could be one of the greatest turnaround stories ever told, but no one's telling it except for me. And I think it's got more room to run. I'll reveal the play. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. six weeks, we know they've been horrific for most tech stocks. As investors turn on their biggest winners and sold them down hard, everything from Fang to the Cloud Kings. But you know what? There are a few exceptions. Tech stocks that got slammed in October and then came roaring back after reporting terrific numbers because the numbers still matter. Consider the case of Kramer Faves Zebra Technologies. This company describes itself as an enterprise asset intelligence play. In plain English, Zebra helps businesses keep track of everything from their inventory to their trucks to where football players are on the field. And they use barcodes, mobile printing, data capture, real-time locating systems, and radio frequency identification to do it all. How has Zebra defied the gravitational pull of its sector? Simple. The company reported a magnificent quarter last week, delivering a 28-cent earnings beat off of $2.67 basis, higher than expected sales, robust guidance for the next quarter. Companies seeing broad-based demand for the solutions, which is exactly what we want to hear. No wonder the stock surged 6% on the news. It's now up more than 18% since we last spoke to Zebra in May. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Anders Gustafsson. He is the CEO of Zebra Technologies. Get a better sense of how his company is doing where it's headed. Mr. Gustafsson, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Anders. Have a Thank seat. you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, since we've seen you last, You've done a lot of things, including an amazing quarter, but you also made an acquisition of Explore Technologies. I want you to speak to people about what that means and also culturally, because you guys have been exceptional, culturally how you integrate an acquisition because you've done it better than anyone, as we know from a recent article in Chicago Tribune that was quite complimentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Explore. So we're very excited about Explore acquisition. It's, it's a, we think of it as a near adjacency to our core business. Okay. It is a, an area where we had some presence, but not as big presence as we felt we should have. Uh, so you think of ta- Explore first, they make a tablet, ruggedized tablets. Right. And you know, we are very strong in, in mobile, com- uh, mobile computers, the handheld mobile computers. We're the market leader with almost 50% market share. So it's, it's, you can think of tablets here as a, a different form factor of a mobile computer. And the, we tend to see people who are on the front line, they have mobile computers, right. they're supervisors, they have the tablets, but we, we can have the same architecture behind it. So you can say run the same apps and very cost effectively kind of to provide different different form factors for the same, for different oh, people. Oh, so that's easy to integrate, uh, obviously, in terms of hardware, but uh, intellectually, culturally, good fit? Yeah, we think it's a good fit. Uh, you know, we, we culturally say that we, we, we do pay a lot of attention to culture when we right. do acquisitions, and you know, otherwise, too. So when we um, did the enterprise acquisition four, four years ago now, right. you know, four years and a little bit, we you know, probably the most important decision we made almost was the effort we put into creating the common culture. Okay. You know, I said so from a Zebra perspective, we were a smaller company. We didn't necessarily have the right culture to for a much larger organization. Mm-hmm. So we felt we needed to create an, a new one. So we, we spent uh, a lot of time coming up with our kind of new values, behaviors. So we put 7,000 people through training, two-day training, and we now put the Explore team through the same training. Now, you had great growth globally, yep. including China. Just a strong secular demand for your products in terms of saving money, uh, being efficient for all companies? 
Yeah, I think we've seen both good, uh, say, cyclical backdrop. Right. The you know, overall macroeconomic backdrop has been good, uh, and and uh, secularly, you know, very strong. We had good secular drivers in basically all our, our vertical markets. Now uh, we talked about uh, integration on uh, for e-commerce. I thought that what was exceptional this time. I'm going to talk about healthcare. You yeah. save the system a fortune. It used to be just the barcode on your arm. Yeah. It's there's much more to it now. Yeah, we we track. Uh, Almost anything you can say in, 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 in healthcare, but you know, wristbands on patients, uh, blood vials, blood bags, you know, any any kind of samples. But we also have provide uh, say mobile computers to to nurses. If you go back a few years, they tended to have a cart on wheels that they mm -hmm. called it. You know, they had a battery and a PC and scanners and everything. All of that is pretty much now in a mobile computer, and we put a lot of the voice communication, so we can have the PBX extension, we can have a kind of walkie-talkie, push-to-talk functionality to enable them to talk to uh, you know their, their colleagues I mean I felt that when I read about what you've done in the the incredible uh, yeah. decline in in operations on the wrong arm on the wrong leg that the insurance companies would demand zebra yeah <laughs> not yet huh There's not still... yet not quite <laughs> okay um, let's let's talk let's go back to e-commerce uh, it is booming uh, retail is booming you guys figure in in, in all aspects of it yeah, pretty much all aspects. So e-commerce, you know, they used a lot of our, our equipment to just be, you know, have a very f efficient fulfillment mm -hmm. process. But uh, regular brick-and-mortar retailers have become very big uh, users of our type of solutions in, in, when they try to implement, say, an omni-channel strategy. Okay. Now, one thing that I was surprised about, and it was brought up in the call and I didn't know, you import a lot of stuff from China. And you said you had a working team that is ready so if they go up to 25% in January, will you try to find other places to source? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have a team, a you know, cross-functional team that's looking at kind of all ways that we can mitigate. Uh, right. Yeah, Today, you know, the... the uh, the, what's been announced, so the first three right. lists, uh, it impacts only a very limited number of our products. Uh, so some of our scanners, uh, right. some of our accessories, uh, and we're looking at things like all the way from moving supply chains out of China to uh, you know, sourcing components wow. elsewhere. Really? Um, we're looking at uh, you know, also, you know, how, you know, uh, including pricing. You know, that's also on the table. Wow. All right, one last thing, because you know I'm a football fan. We saw yeah. each other at the Super Bowl. Anything new just in terms of uh, trying to keep track of the fluids of an athlete, trying to keep athletes cost a fortune. Yeah. And you're the only company that seems to be dedicated to the idea that these are, you know, I look, they're humans, yeah. but they cost a fortune. You monitor everything. What are some of the new things you're monitoring? So we can, you know, we can monitor uh, you know, all their movements on the field, uh, how far, far fast they run, how far they run, you know, first quarter versus last quarter, uh, the ball, uh, the ball flight, uh, all the all the uh, all the referees and everything. And we, you know, we do have. Uh, uh, free payload in the signal that we send back to include things like, uh, you know, biometric type of, of signals also. Does it go into the cloud or is it just straight directly? It, it goes into a server first in the uh, stadium and then right. it goes into a cloud from there. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, look, your company's <laughs> just doing incredibly yeah. well. I'm glad you have that mitigation thing going. Because yeah. I was worried that could hurt the quarter. Sounds yeah. like it's not going to. Thank you to Anders Gustafsson. He's the CEO of Zebra Technologies, a company that we have liked forever. And you see why? It is doing so well, and it's well run. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the light round. And then the light round. 
Lightroom server. Are you ready? Stay dang over the Lightroom server. I'm going to start with Bob in Florida. Bob. Kramer, booyah. Booyah, Bob. Hey, I've been uh, studying that uh, the demand for lithium is expected to quadruple by 2025, and the world's largest uh, and richest lithium flats are in Santiago, Chile. So I did some homework on the top three lithium producers, yeah. and I'd like to ask you about number two. Uh, ticker symbols FQM, Sociedad Quimica. Sociedad Quimica. Okay, we're going to stay away from that. We just feel like that it's been what you just described is 